you have to commit to trying everything. This is how I wrote it. You have to commit to trying everything and everyone responds differently to different things. So that, you know, the girl that you had on this morning, like this is the thing that I've learned. Like this is why this is so valuable. Like your podcast is so valuable because there's so many different ideas in there. And I just, I just had this belief that I was going to heal and that I would do whatever it took and try literally anything. Like I would do anything to heal. This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. Thanks for joining us today. I've got a guest who is going to talk about all the things that he's learned in the last 18 months since getting sciatic arthritis. He's a very interesting guy and he posts some really, really fascinating content inside our rheumatoid support platform. And I invited him onto our podcast so that he could share some of these really interesting insights with all of us. So g'day, Richard, all the way from Melbourne, but here today visiting Sydney. How are you? We're in the same town, Clint, <laughs> in the same city today. <laughs> we are. So you think our internet connection would be better, but we've managed to work it out, haven't we? We have, yeah. After a bit of a uh, bit of toing and froing, I think we're okay. Mate, thanks for coming on this. You know, we um we we talked about how this could be interesting for others because you are a tester. You like testing things, finding what works and what doesn't. And you've tested a lot of stuff in the last 18 months. Um, you've got a, um, you, you know, you're, you're self-employed, you, you run a couple of businesses and stuff. You sort of have a, a uh, logical problem-solving kind of male mind. And I think that that lends itself well to trying to troubleshoot your way through uh, a challenging health condition. So why don't you tell us um, what, what your sort of diagnosis looked like when it, when it happened and, and then just get started and start sharing with us things you've tried, things you've learned throughout this journey. So when I when I landed on your stuff, Clint, I thought I made for this particular program. Um, I was vegan for a couple of years before my arthritic diagnosis, and I was doing Bikram yoga every morning at six a.m. for about three years before that as well. <laughs> so, so I think I was doing everything right, and then I got it. Uh, yeah, I guess my just in a in a in the shortest possible time frame possible to 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 explain what happened to me. I was I was as I said I was doing a six a.m. Bikram class five mornings a week, uh, very consistently. I'd hardly ever miss. And uh, one day I turned up and my knee stopped bending, and I'm like, "What's going on here?" Completely out of the blue, and it, you know, like I like I've heard countless people on your podcast uh, tell a similar story. You know, you think it, it must be some sort of injury and it'll, it'll go away in a couple of days and a couple of days turned into a couple of weeks and probably about six weeks later, it wasn't getting any better. So I, I booked a, an appointment at the um, at the sports doctor uh, who took a look at it and did what he needed to do, MRIs, blood tests and got the results back. And he said, I think you need to go and see a rheumatologist. And I said, that's interesting. What, what does that mean? He said, you, you might have arthritis. And I'm like, 
no, I don't have arthritis. <laughs> there's, there's no way I have arthritis. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm young, I'm fit, I'm healthy. I don't have arthritis. And he's like, well, let's see. So he booked, he, he gave me a couple of referrals and, uh, or like a couple of recommendations. I said, I want to see the best doctor in Melbourne. And he wrote down a couple of names and he said, well, go and see, go and see this guy. I won't mention this guy's name. So I went and saw him and, um, yeah, he, he confirmed that he, he wrote down on, on the list. It was somewhere between psoriatic ankylosing spondylitis inflammatory arthritis he didn't he didn't put it into the rheumatoid category but he certainly said that it's um it's one of these inflammatory arthritis and i said what what does this mean like i was very much like really in the dark with it all and he pointed to his filing cabinet behind me he said i got 28 medications in there we start at the bottom and we work our way up till we find the one that works for you and i'm like well that's that's pretty full-on like what i mean what do i um can i do anything else like can i can I heal naturally? Uh, and by this point, I was like, I was, I'm always experimenting with stuff, as you alluded to at the, the start of the podcast. I'm always like looking for alternative therapies and different ways to challenge myself and, you know, help my body, you know, in, in natural ways. I was very much into that. And um, he said, no, there's really nothing you can do. The medications is it. And I said, oh, what about like, you know, what about my diet? By this point, I've been vegan for a couple of years and I was um, binging on um, Dr. Michael Greger and uh, Dr. Clapper and all these amazing, you know, plant-based doctors and listening. Uh, you know, I've been like, uh, I wouldn't say studying because I don't take in all the information and able to regurgitate it, but like I was really processing all that information for, you know, probably a year or two before before this diagnosis. So I really did understand by this point that diet plays a huge impact on um on all health so so that was my straightaway go-to i'm like what can i do like what about my diet he's like no no like you know some people have some turmeric but you know don't bother i'm like okay so he wrote me a script for sulfur salazine and i sat on that for probably four to six weeks maybe maybe a couple of months and like i really don't want to take the medication because at this point i was um I, I just didn't want to be on medication. I truly believe that I would heal it naturally. Like I'd, in one sense, brainwashed myself for two years on on plant based. The, the you know the benefits of a plant based diet, and I'm like, if anyone can heal this naturally, I can. And all these other people heal their chronic conditions naturally, then I definitely can. And uh, yeah, so I sat on this script, and I I did, certainly wasn't getting any better, and I was probably getting a little bit worse. So I think. One probably one day I just said I have to ta- I have to take this medication. So I went and filmed the script at the at the pharmacy and uh, came back with a with a box of uh, sulfasalazine and took that for probably two months and and nothing happened. And I think I, I wasn't too keen on going back and seeing this guy uh, because I didn't really like his like if he was the so called best rheumatologist in Melbourne and that was the answer that he gave me. I'm like, well. I don't know whether I have all that much confidence in him. And at this point, I really didn't know anything else. So at some point along that, whether it was a couple of months later, I called him up and said, look, I'm, I'm not making any progress here. Um, um, I need to, you know, I need to try something else. So at that point, he probably wrote, I think he wrote me a script for methotrexate. This is all very similar stories. I think I've heard this story many times on your podcast. Um, then on to methotrexate. And again, I sat on that for a couple of months and probably at this point I was having a, um, my original 
doctor, uh, the sports doctor actually gave me a, a script for naproxen, the, the anti-inflammatory. So I had, I had a couple of boxes of that and I was sort of taking one of those every third day, uh, every second day maybe, and I was getting like moderate relief, just enough to get around, you know, like by no means uh skipping around the place like i was really hobbling but it was like it was it was it wasn't bearable but it was bearable if that makes sense it was like it took the edge off it and i just wasn't getting it better so i i ended up filling the script for methotrexate and i remember the day that the day that i took it the first time i took it and i'd heard so many horror stories about methotrexate from you know people you know on on the podcast and and yourself clint your experience on it and i, I remember <laughs> standing over it and I, I, I like I'm a I do all sorts of weird and wacky stuff at times and maybe a little superstitious but I st- I stood on top of it and I put it in like the middle of my room and I, I said some prayers over the top of it and and said please heal my body you know <laughs> please don't harm my body please heal it and said some prayers and moved on and swallowed the tablet and um yeah another month or two later nothing happened um and i'm like well this is not working that i didn't have any side effects from the methotrexate i guess that's the positive um i was probably on i think i might have been on sort of 10 10 milligrams i think it was nothing really happened there was i wasn't feeling lethargic i wasn't feeling tired yeah no, it was just nothing really happened to me so the journey continued um, and, you know, this is probably, so the diagnosis was about October, September, October 2019 and this is probably, we're now at about probably March, probably around March, early 2020, March 2020 and, and this is just as lockdown happened and by this point I'd seen your podcast, Clint, and, uh, yeah, sorry, your TED Talk. And I was uh, exploring the idea of transforming my diet. Like I was on a pretty good plant-based diet. It wasn't perfect, but I was certainly cooking with oils and I would, you know, like have a little bit of, you know, like just, it just wasn't, it wasn't a bad diet, but it wasn't as optimal as what it could be. And I think, you know, across those couple of months, it's probably, you know, late November, December, when I found your podcast and three, three months later, I, certainly you know being looking at your stuff and um i just wasn't ready to jump um onto onto your program it just seemed like a, a monumental shift from what i was doing in my life and you know i'd eat out at cafes most days and go for coffee most days and just living a a nice lifestyle and then the idea of like stripping that all back and eating buckwheat and quinoa and sweet potato is like it wasn't exactly ticking all that many boxes for me and and then covid happened and lockdown happened and i'm like there's no, all the restaurants shut down and i'm like if i don't do it now i never will so i'm like here we go i just stopped eating everything that i was eating and i had buckwheat and quinoa and sweet potato and leafy greens and mung bean sprouts your favorite and um bunch of other things for probably about three months straight that's all i ate it's all i ate and i was um when you describe me as a problem solver at the start i'm probably a bit of a lazy problem solver because i couldn't be bothered going through the process of reintroducing foods i'm like this is all too hard so i'll just stick to the buckwheat and quinoa and i wasn't getting any better but i wasn't getting any worse um, I was still popping an anti-inflammatory every couple of days and I was, I had horrible, horrible, horrible days uh, throughout that, you know, sort of March to 
September, that entire sort of four, five, six months, it was it was diabolical. Like I would get up out of bed. Well, I wouldn't get up out of bed. I would wake up and I'm like, how am I going to get out of bed? Um, and the idea of, um, yeah, just the idea of getting up out of bed and getting myself down to the bathroom to go to the toilet and have a shower and it was just too hard and I was like hanging onto furniture to get down. I couldn't walk. I couldn't straighten. I couldn't bend my leg. It was just excruciatingly painful. was the knee, um, wasn't it? I mean, we haven't gone into my knee, yeah, my right knee. So yeah, let yeah. me let us know where your joints were affected, which ones, yeah, yeah. So my probably at that point, ninety percent was in my right knee. Yeah, uh, I'd say, and the other ten percent was in my right ankle. It, it had moved down, and we'll circle back to this point. Like it, it did move into my right ankle, and and eventually, I think, um, I think it moved into my right wrist, and and into my left elbow. And it was at that point where I thought I have to do something here because this is now spreading and I've heard this can happen. And here I am here, like I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to do this all on my own without medication. I'm not listening to my doctors. Hang on. Weren't you on the methotrexate? Yeah, but it wasn't doing anything. So um, this, the rheumatologist did tell me, he said, I got 28 medications in there and we've got to work our way up. So my understanding was I was on a lower dose of the lowest medication, which was methotrexate. That's kind of what he made me think, you know, so I just wasn't like, I wasn't going back to the rheumatologist because I probably deep down, I didn't trust him. Like if, you know, based on that original response that he gave me, that diet plays no impact in, in these sort of issues. Yeah, so I just sat on it and yeah, I think when once it started spreading through my body more, I you know, I just remember like you know, like I was you know, like I was hobbling around, but at least I had use of my arms and you know, like when I woke up one morning and my wrist was gone, I'm like, "Oh my god, another one." And I'm like, now I can't like I remember the first date happened, I couldn't turn the tap off and I couldn't um you know, I remember picking up my computer, just my laptop, and I like I couldn't pick my laptop up. I had to do it yeah. with two hands, and and I just like I'm in trouble here. <laughs> like, I'm in trouble here. So I'm like, okay, it's time to do something about this. So I went and saw my GP. I, I got a GP uh, for the first time in my life. I I found a GP, and um, I wanted to build up a bit of a history because I'm like I've got health problems now. I better, I better start building up a team around me. And uh, yeah, I called the GP and, and told him what was happening. And he gave me a list of probably five rheumatologists. I told him the story with my, with my previous rheumatologist. And I said, look, I, I need someone that's more open-minded than what he was. And he gave me a list of five. And I remember I took that away. I, it was, this was in lockdown. I drove straight to the beach uh, down in Port Melbourne, where I was spending most of my, um, most of my days in lockdown. I was um, doing cold therapy one of the things that i was trying i was getting in the in the freezing cold bay you know doing the wim hof stuff and um yeah i sat there with the list and i looked down the list and one name stood out his name was daniel lewis and like i reckon he might be my guy so anyway i jumped on my phone googled him looked him up daniel lewis rheumatologist in st kilda and i landed on his he had a web page which is awesome and on his web page there was stuff about mindfulness and stuff about diet and stuff about like natural healing remedies. I'm like, oh my God, this is my man. I'm like, this, like, this is incredible. So I remember like within a split second, I jumped on the phone and I I, I called and um, the receptionist answered her name's Tina and she was just lovely. And that was a massive shift from 
my previous rheumatologist, who was receptionist, was awful to me, awful, uh, like made me feel guilty for ringing up with a question and, you know, wouldn't put me through it. It was just a, a wholly negative experience. And she was like, she was wonderful. She was really, really nice. And I said, I'm pleading with you. I need to see Daniel. Like, I really want to see Daniel. And I rattled off everything like Daniel and I had in common. Like, he had, some, I think he had some rum dust. Uh, videos on there and like all this sort of spiritual stuff you know <laughs> some some people might call it mumbo jumbo but I, I like it and I'm like this is my man I need to speak to this guy and and she said all right I'll, I'll squeeze you in and he was fully booked but I think I, I told a compelling enough case to get squeezed in and I went and saw him and he was just wonderful like just a really amazing guy and he he straight away referred me to a hypnotherapist which was cool like an alternative, uh, very alternative therapy. I, I did a couple of sessions with this guy and the idea was that he was trying to help me detach my mind from the pain. Um, and I'd actually done a bit of work on this um, in the months before, so I didn't realise that's what I was doing, but I, I was actually doing that. I was like really trying to um, detach from, you know, the pain of this disease and, and not get stuck in it. And, um yeah, like I mean, he sent me he sent me to that guy. Like I did two sessions. I, I wouldn't say it um, it made all that much difference because I was already doing that stuff anyway. But I mean, these are all things that you know we can circle back to this one again too. That these are all things that people should you know we can try. Like I mean, it's you know there's so many stones to turn, and that was just another one I turned. And yeah, so Daniel, um, yeah, he, he just gave me so much confidence that, that uh, he you know that uh, that I would that I would heal. Um, he said, you know, like he gave confidence to myself. He said, everyone's going to do it, you're going to do it, you're going to try all these things. And um, yeah, he, he said, well, what we need to do is we need to get you on um, 25 milligrams of methotrexate. We need to start taking it. I can't remember. I think I probably stopped taking it by that. Uh, I can't remember whether I stopped taking it or whether I, uh, or whether I took it all the way through. I can't quite remember that. But either way, it wasn't doing anything. Um, so I went up to 25 milligrams of methotrexate and I needed to be on that for three months before I was eligible for the next class of um, medication, which is the biologics. Um, and uh, he had one in mind for me called Rinvoke, which I'm currently on now. Uh, and Rinvoke isn't, um, apparently it's not a biologic, but it's um, it's in the family of biologics as it described. It's called a JAK inhibitor, J-A-Q inhibitor. Um, and I had to, you know, like I had to be on, 25 milligrams instead of methotrexate before I qualified for that. So I went up to that. I went to injectable methotrexate throughout it uh, to see whether that would make a difference because apparently the absorption rate might be a little higher. Uh, but again, that didn't make any difference. Um, and actually what he did do was he put me on your favourite, everyone's favourite, prednisolone. Is that how you say it? Prednisolone. Oh, there's prednisone and then there is prednisolone. So they're slightly different. Okay, yeah. So... Um, I can't remember which one it was, but um, the non-steroid. Uh, no, it's uh, it's steroid. Uh, so yeah, I, I was on that, and I think he started me on twenty milligrams in the first week, and then fifteen in the second, and ten in the third, and five in the fourth week. I think by the time I got to the fourth week, I was eligible to start on the um, on the rip boat. Um, okay. So uh, yeah, so I I, uh, I tape it off. I tape it to five milligrams of prednisolone, or maybe it was seven and a half. And he said, "Stay on that for you know for a few more weeks after that." But uh, I'll never forget it. The first day I took that 
uh, Rinvoke, the very first tablet within almost within a few hours. I'm like, whoa, this has done something. Um, I felt really free and I'm like, well, this is, um, this is promising. And, and, you know, the next day I woke up and I'm like, I, I, I feel good. Like I, I feel really good. And like within a few days, I'm like, I don't think I need the Prendisolone anymore. So I, I just completely stopped taking that from seven and a half. I think I just stopped cold Turkey. And, and from there, like, I honestly haven't looked back. Like I wake up pain-free every single day. I live a completely normal life aside from the fact that I can't run the way I used to be able to run. I'm still only walking around, but it's like being completely life-changing. It's been incredible for me. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Now, so that's where I am today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting, you know, uh, story. And I want to go through a bunch of questions that I got for you, but I also am mindful that we want to hear about your sort of lessons learned. Um, let me just, let's just quickly clear out a couple of questions I had. Was your knee still massively inflamed when you started the Rinvoke and did it clear all that inflammation? It was inflamed when I started the Rinvoke, but I think the, um, I think the Prendisolone had brought it, like really helped a lot. So that makes um, sense. Once I got on the Prendisolone, I was, I was pretty good for almost from the day that I started 20 milligrams of Prendisolone, I was I was pretty good. Like that really knocked out 90% of, you know, the pain. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, yeah. And then um, there was only a few days of overlap and then you were able to stop the steroid completely. Yeah. Um, question number two, were you also able to cease using the methotrexate because of the new tablet? Yeah, I stopped using that straight away. I stopped using the, the methotrexate as soon as I started the Rinvoke. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the advice. He said, stay on that, but I just didn't want to be on two. And I, I felt as though I was okay. With, like I was okay. Just being on the Prentice alone, I was fine. Uh, when I say I was fine, I was much better. So I'm like, there's no point taking the methotrexate as well. So once yep. I got the rib broke in, I, I stopped that. Uh, and how long has it been? I could look this up myself, but um, how long has it been since you just started the Rinvoke? Uh, January, start of January. Okay, which is plenty of time also to have cleared methotrexate from your system because as yeah. we're speaking today, it's the 10th of May. Uh, yeah. So that takes us through About January, five months. February, March, April, May. So we're talking four, four months, right? Uh, five months, I think. April, start of January to the start of May, five months. Yeah, January, February, March, April, May. <laughs> well, around, anyway, long we're in the fifth. We're in the fifth month. <laughs> yeah, it's four months. <laughs> four months. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So, okay, a couple more questions for you. What do you think triggered this? Because, you know, you said you had a a nice lifestyle, vegan lifestyle. You're doing Bikram all the time. You know, it's just, I'm sure you've pondered many, many hours as to what's triggered it. You know, in the science, it says it can be just an infection. You know, we can get overgrowths of certain pathogens in our body that can trigger this. It can be a breakdown of the microbiome through, uh, you know, other reasons. Have you thought back uh, and looked at your early childhood and, and did you, did, were you uh, not breastfed and, and were you a cesarean birth or uh, did you take antibiotics for, for acne for a long period or for other reasons? Have you gone down that path and, and really searched yeah. for an answer here? Because it's very yes. strange. Yeah, yeah. So my mum has rheumatoid arthritis. That's the first thing. So that's, okay. that's, that's the obvious one. So 
I think is the is it HLAB twenty seven or something like that the gene that we carry. Look, I'll I'll be honest, and I'm not entirely sure, but you could be on you could be right. I just don't know. I haven't looked into yeah. genetics of it. Yeah, yeah. So I think the I think the original report said I carried this gene called HLA B twenty seven, and if you carry that, you have to carry that to contract this um, illness, but it doesn't mean you're going to contract it. So. So I do carry that. My mum has rheumatoid arthritis. I took Roaccutane uh, for acne when I was um, probably, well, I took, I actually took antibiotics uh, for a period of time for acne throughout my teenage years. <laughs> there you <laughs> go, <not> brother. <laughs> yep. We don't need to look any further. Yeah. Yeah. So I took that and the Roaccutane, which was, um, which was a horrible drug. <laughs> That that wasn't that was not pleasant. That was another acne drug. I don't know whether you know that one. Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, that's like a real heavy one. That's probably like the prednisolone for acne. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, people can go crazy on it. Um, so yeah, I had that. I I didn't take much medication. Like I'm I'm always been medication adverse. Like I would, you know, I, I would only pop a pill like a paracetamol. You know. Um, if I if I really 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 was sick, like but I this would is re- so similar to me, man. Sorry, I just want to draw some real parallels here. Can you tell me how old you were? Like, uh, how old are you now? I'm forty. Just turned forty. Okay, so if we wind back to sort of thirty eight, uh, you know, when you were diagnosed, I was diagnosed at thirty one, but we have such a similar situation here because you know the antibiotics as a teenager i didn't have the genetic predisposition you know as your mum with that my family haven't my, none of my family knew what it was and so um you know it's we completely underestimate the catastrophic impact of these teenage uh, antibiotic use because what happens is we then compound the damage that we do as a teenager with those antibiotics by then living a 20s lifestyle, the worst years of eating. You know, when you're partying, you're drinking, you, you know, some people are taking recreational drugs even, and then there's lack of sleep, then there's, uh, you know, just everything associated with living a wild 20s and, uh, and you never recover because there's never a yeah. period of good eating to follow those antibiotics. And so yeah. it's taken you longer than what it did me to develop a, a health condition, a serious health condition. And maybe that's because you were living yeah. a more of a preventative lifestyle in your thirties with your plant-based diet and you're going to Bikram all the time. And perhaps that actually prolonged what was on the cards. Now, you know, that's just a, that's just a guess. And then also, um, you know, if, you're, if your lifestyle was eating out a lot, as we continue just to look for a couple more answers before we move on, you know, every meal you'll eat at a restaurant will have oil in it unless it's, it's like, it'd be one in a thousand restaurants meals would not have oil in it unless it's just pure salad and, and, uh, and maybe, uh, gosh, just a, just, just a veggie salad, which no one will eat because there's no calories in it because everything's cooked in oil. So you're taking in a lot of oil, probably not even aware of how much oil if you're eating out a lot. Yeah. So, you know, like, I feel like I'm satisfied with, with my own curiosity as to how this came about, but um, yeah. doesn't mean, you know, it just helps the mind trying to, to get some answers as to why. I can't tell you how yeah. much I hear about antibiotics as a teenager and the links to, yeah. to future problems. It's, it should be outlawed. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing that I would add to that is um, something I've heard on a couple of your podcasts. Like throughout my 30s, I was um, mostly throughout my 30s, I worked insanely hard, like really long into the night hours building businesses. You know, I was just like intensely at it, you know. And I, 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 you're nodding your head. I, I, I've heard you talk about this as well, that this is a bit of a common factor as well with the people that, you know, that get this. Well, I can't say that I've identified a, a case where we have conversation like with yourself right now where someone has said that just from that it has happened. But it, it is, that is a stressor onto a stressed environment. Sure. Okay. It's just another stressor, isn't it? So yeah. first of all, you've wiped out a whole bunch of your Amazon rainforest by putting the bulldozers through with your, with your antibiotics. And then you've never allowed any regrowth to occur for the next 10 years throughout the 20s. And I'm, I don't mean to imply that, you know, you partied more than anyone else. I just, you know, normally 20s are sort of a, a fun time. And then into yeah. the early 30s, you've just said that you've applied more stressor onto that. Sleep impacts the microbiome. Okay, yep. so we've taken sure. away a healing part of, uh, of natural living and then yep. you've added stress on top of that, which also negatively impacts the microbiome. The studies on that are like amazingly powerfully impactful. So, you know, it's a yep. real negative impact on the, on the microbiome. So if you've got that even positive stress, like even, even in, you know, positive related stress is still stress. It's still anxiety. It's still, yep. you know. And the late night. So, you know, yep, it's a good point that you've made. The 30s wouldn't have helped. You know, you're not resting. You're not being, uh, you know, just living a balanced life, isn't it? The, just the yeah. balanced life. We compare that to, to sort of regions of the world that still don't tend to get any inflammatory arthritis where right. they go, they rise by the sun still. Like I'm talking like sort of rural communities, at, you know, yeah. the primitive, primitive living. Where nothing's processed, everything's simple. Yeah. You go to bed because it's dark and you haven't got any lighting. You know, there's still some co communities where this is still happening and they don't have any traces of autoimmunity. Anyway, mate, let's get to thank you for answering all those questions for me. Hit me with your hit me with a bunch of things that you've learned, things that you recommend people try that have okay. worked for you. We obviously we've seen that all you've right. tried a lot of medications and finally, finally found one that's been transformative. Yeah. What yes. Else? Okay. I what wrote else down a couple of things. Was good. Yeah. So I wrote down a couple of things. So, like, I, I just have to say, diet does make a difference. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm probably different to most people. And I've heard a couple of people that were vegan when they contracted it on your podcast, but I think the majority, uh, you know, had more more of a, you know, like an animal based diet with obviously varying degrees of, um, you know. I get varying degrees of quality around their animal-based diet, but like I was mostly plant-based. But in the last couple of, like about a month ago, my I've got a 15-year-old daughter and she had a um, party at my place. She had about six or eight girls over and they loaded the house with sugar and chips, and lollies and like all sorts of rubbish biscuits, like all sorts of crap that I'd never, ever buy or, or very like seldom put into my body because I just don't bring it into the house because I don't trust myself with it. Uh, and it was there and like I ate, I ate my fair share of biscuits and chips and 
all the crap that they brought into the house. And I paid the price like for a couple of days. Like I could really feel like my my joints weren't as good as what they what they were, um, even on this medication. So um straight away there, like, you know, like it's just further confirmation that diet is essential. Exercise is the other thing. Um this is like this is something that I think is probably well I I underestimated it. So when I contracted when I when I contracted this disease in the end of 2019, like I did kind of have this theory that I'll rest. Um and you know it was kind of listening to you, you know, emphasize emphasizing the importance of exercise, but I didn't actually take your medicine. I had my the diet going well, but I wasn't actually exercising and you know, like it was just, I mean, it's an excuse, but it was too hard to exercise because I was too sore. But like there was things I could have done, but I wasn't doing it because I was too sore. I mean, this is just, this is all just part of it. But you say that, I think you say that, I think you say that you say exercise is 50% of it and diet's the other 50, uh, like lifestyle, diet, you know, exercise and lifestyle. And I, I just can't agree with that more. Like, I would almost put exercise in front now in terms of where I'm at right now for me. Like I rode my bike from the day that I got the Prendisolone and it really kind of really took the edge off it and freed me up. Pretty much rode my bike almost every day for four months over summer. And I was sort of, you know, just doing a a little bit of resistance stuff, a little bit of weights most days you know just like 10 15 20 minutes not much but just enough to keep some strength up but i sort of stopped again like about a week ago i started to get cold down here in melbourne and um week and a half ago and like i didn't ride my bike for four or five days and i had a bit going on and and i i could feel after four or five days of not doing my exercise i could like my ankle got sore <laughs> my ankle became sore and i'm like oh it's back again and and i kind of knew that i didn't exercise but i thought no it's like you know like i had that in the back of my mind but you know the you, you go straight to the fear center and it's like oh my goodness it's back but um i did something a little bit cheeky i took i still had my prendisolone a little box of that i took 10 milligrams of that and that took the inflammation out of my ankle my knee was still a little bit my knee was a little bit sore but i just got back on my bike and i rode every day and it's been like bit by bit by bit, it's gotten better each day and it's 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 awesome again now. It it just reconfirms the importance of exercise. And I had a magnificent diet last year when I was doing your program. Like I was eating so clean, but I wasn't exercising anywhere near it as much and I wasn't getting the results. And you say it on the podcast, like if you're not prepared to do the exercise, then don't expect the results. <laughs> just well, well, yeah, you know, the recording I did this morning, uh, I interviewed uh, um, TJ, a, a woman from Asheville, and um, the episode will likely come out just before this one. Um, and she um, she's just done the diet, not a lot of exercise, and she's noticed just profound. I mean, she's 95% uh, perfect after just the exercise, but it's not, sorry, after just the diet. And while she says that she does do some exercise, it's not the extent that you and I are talking about here. Therapeutic exercise is getting the heart rate up. It's uh, 
it's it's getting some sweating going if we can uh, at least a couple of times a week so that we get that detoxification yeah. of heavy metals and pesticides. Sure. And so what where I'm going with this is uh, if we're not seeing results, then what's missing? It's not the next supplement. It's not it's not um, it's not whether or not Apple works in our diet or not. It's can we get on a stationary bike and get a sweat up that day? That is going to shift the needle. That is going to be the answer. And if we can barely move, then move what we can. Your neck, get your neck moving. Become the best neck mover. And then if you can move your shoulders, get the shoulders into it. Some people dance. There's even a study, would you believe it, um, of people with rheumatoid arthritis who went through dancing for over several weeks and reduced their inflammatory markers. So I wouldn't imagine it would be like, you know, you know, um, so you think you can dance level, but it's going to be helpful for these individuals, you know, whatever it might be, move it, move it, move it. And that brings me on to my next point that you have to commit to trying everything. This is how I wrote it. You have to commit to trying everything and everyone responds differently to different things. So that, you know, the girl that you had on this morning, like this is the thing that I've learned. Like this is why this is so valuable. Like your podcast is so valuable because there's so many different ideas in there. And I just, I just had this belief that I was going to heal and that I would do whatever it took and try literally anything. Like I would do anything to heal. And I was going to continue to try stuff until I found what worked. And I guess that that's probably, that, that almost sits at the top. Like if you want to heal naturally, I can't say I've healed naturally, but let's just talk about healing. Because that's step one, healing, putting out the fire as you describe. Like, if you want to heal, you have to just try stuff. Like, if it doesn't work, because it's, it's so disheartening when you hear people on your podcast who overnight they change their diet and straight away all their symptoms vanish into thin air. And it's like, that didn't happen to me. And it would be really easy to give up then. That is not the way. That is not the approach that I would recommend to anyone that wanted to heal. Like, it's just try everything. And like, I, I just tried so many things. Like, I tried so many things, and I continue to do everything. And I have. I, I, I sent you an email. Uh, we were skipping ahead a little bit, but I sent you an email, or I put it in the forum a few weeks ago that my CRP and um, my sed rate are one. Is it what? Did I say one or zero? And then they. Um, I'll bring that up. I'll bring that up while you keep talking. One, whatever the lowest is. I don't know whether it's one or zero, but I think you said that you'd only seen that one a couple of times in, in your uh, here whole we go. time. I've, I've found it. So your CRP is one. And in Australia, for our international listeners, uh, CRP of one in Australia means milligram per litre, not milligram per deciliter as it often is in the United Kingdom. But that's very low. Uh, and it's probably as low as the uh, the measurement was taken or you would have actually had a decimal place on that. My last measurement was 0.5. So it can be measured below. Um, okay. One. But, but, but here's the thing that you're referencing actually is the sed rate. So your sed rate is one millimeter per hour. Now, I've only think I've ever seen that like once or twice. I think that, I think that um, it cannot go lower because there actually has to be some separation of the blood. So you, there needs to be, gravity's pulling that apart, right? So I don't think you can go lower than that. So yeah, I mean, I mean, basically your your blood markers are impeccable. Yeah, and and like I'm convinced that it's because I try everything and I still do a lot. Like I, I'm not reliant on this medication. I don't take it for granted at all. Like 
ever. Like I do not take it for granted that my health is, uh, my health will be as, as it is. Like I've still got healing to do. Like I'm, I want to run again properly. I mean, there's so much, there is so much room for growth for me, but, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's the thing. Just, just try as many things as you can and listen to as many podcasts as you can and be in your community and, and share your story and, and read other people's stories because there's just so much wisdom in there and what works for one does not work for the other. So um, let me just, let me just give it, let me just underline that point again about having to try everything. It's sort of under the category also of never giving up and just continuing to search until you find something that works. And you know, something, sometimes I get this email, I, I would get this email once a week from someone and it would be, Hi, Clint. I've watched your information online. I've decided to, um, you know, try your program because it's my last hope. This is it for me. If this doesn't work, I've got nothing left. Now, I have this feeling when I read that, like, it's just the wrong approach to go into this because it's almost like the, this part of this program is almost the mindset shift that that you have to continue to explore on your own almost it's yes the diet's there yes all of the exercise options are there mindset stress reduction supplements how to manage your medications and so on so it's there but but there's almost an infinite level of things that you can try to the level of to the level of like you've done if that medication don't work then try the next try the next try the next because then once you get your inflammation under control then the diet and then the other lifestyle changes can actually have much more impact. And until then, if you're highly inflamed like you were with your knee, when you really inflame that self cycles, that inflammation is coexistent with gut inflammation, which then creates more leaky gut. You've got this cycling effect. Oxidative stress is through the roof because your immune system's engaged, with, which generates free radicals. So the whole thing needs to be brought back into alignment for those natural things to have impact. And so you know, when I hear, oh, I'm going to try this, if this is it, then I'm giving up and, and that's it. That, no, we should never think like that. Never. There's always a way to improve. No matter how bad we are, there's always another step that can bring us a little closer to, to being better. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couldn't agree so, more. What's, um, your next, what's your next point? These are Well, the next point was on mindset. So you've, you've, kind okay. of, you've, just, you've just pretty much said it. I'll, I'll, re- I'll just restate it in my own words. Like I, I never doubted and I still don't doubt that I'll be running another ultra marathon in the wilderness at some point down the track. Like I walk around you know, without pain. I get up every morning and I'm not stiff. All of these, like... I have the quality of life back, but I still can't run. I still can't run the way I, you know, like I can't run properly at all, really. Like I did a, I did a run on the beach the other day. Um, I ended up getting up to four Ks. I texted you about that. I, I got four Ks uh, worth of worth of distance on, on the beach, but I did pull up a bit sore after that. And maybe I went a little bit too far, but like, I, I just don't doubt. I don't doubt that I will heal because I've heard so many people on your podcast that are healing and so many stories where it's taken years, so many stories where it's taken years and these people don't give up and they're still going and then they heal, you know, three, four, five years down the track. And I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm at 18 months. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I used to dream. I dreamt 
I would dream three or four nights a week that of actually running. Like they were, that was the dreams were so vivid that I'd wake up and I'm like, I ran. Like, and I'm like, oh no, that was a dream. Damn, it was just a dream that one. But like, I'm I'm so fixated on this idea of getting out and running again and just being able to, you know, because I ran my whole life. Like I was, I, I always ran, and that was taken off me. And um, I, you know, like I I don't have anything to complain about anymore. If I don't run again, that's fine because I have amazing quality of life now. But yeah, I, I think the mindset is everything because if you have if your mind is in the right spot, like if your mind truly believes it, you will keep turning over stones until you find what works for you. I think that's that's the key. Like there is no give up. Like there's no that it doesn't even enter your mind. It's like it's going to happen. It's just a case of when. And that's all you can do. Like you can't do anything else apart from that if you want to heal. Because everyone's journey is different, everyone's timeline's different. That's right. It becomes a uh a healthy obsession, or if your partner is involved, maybe they'd call it an unhealthy obsession because <laughs> they can't quite comprehend how obsessed we become about it. But, um, yeah. you know, just this may not be as relevant to other people, but for you specifically, go and follow the work and, and check out uh, John McLean. He, um, he spent a, a many, many years in a wheelchair and uh, my friend, my friend Cameron does all the video editing for all of his triathlons and all this stuff that he does as a in a wheelchair. He competes in a wheelchair. And technology now has assisted him with his own incredible mindset and determination to try and get him walking again and to try and get, he hopes to run. And this is happening. This is like, like defying even modern science. And so I uh, just brought up his website. It's johnmclean.com.au. So go and check it out. If you want to look cool. at someone who's in a who's in a more of a defying the odds situation, go and check it out, man. I think you'll yeah, find yeah. that inspirational. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I shall. The next point I wrote down was get a great doctor who believes you can heal naturally. Uh, I just can't un- like you really need you really need a team behind you that believes in you because that will tie back into your mindset. Because if like if your doctors don't believe it, it's going to be very difficult for you to believe it. Uh, eventually, you'll get whittled away. So you've got to surround yourself with people who do believe. Like I cannot emphasize that enough. Like, yeah, just just keep going through rheumatologists until you find one who um, you know who 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 talks your language. And and if you're in Australia, called Daniel Lewis. Um, and uh, we've got telehealth now here, so you can probably call him from any state in the country so that's my point on that um has he got point- did he outright say that that he believes there's an opportunity for you to one day need you know less or or, or no medications to manage your condition or did he not go as far as that um he's just he's just let's see he said yeah, yeah it's possible but i'm not looking too far into the future for that like i'm trying to build rebuild strength in my leg trying to rebuild my calf muscle which disintegrated away to nothing and i'm just enjoying quality of life so like for me there's no side effects on this medication i'm okay to be on it and i'm anti i'm anti medication by default like i don't want to be on medication but um yeah i think that um that was another point i wrote in there i don't know whether i said don't wait too long to take medication i 
I think that it's okay to, if I had my time again, I can only speak for myself, but if I had my time again, I probably wouldn't do it any differently. I tried my best to heal naturally yeah. without medication. It didn't work. Uh, if I got on medication quicker, maybe it wouldn't have spread into these other parts. Who knows? But I tried and I, I, I can live with that, that I did try. But I would be reluctant. I, I wouldn't advise anyone to not take medication because you might just find that you get all your quality of life back. And for me, it was also an ego thing. Like it was very much tied into my ego that I was going to be able to heal naturally and that, you know, I was, I was a really healthy guy and that, um, you know, I was, be, I was plant-based and, you know, this is not going to be my lot and I'll be able to do all this naturally because I'm, you know, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just work it out. And that I, resist, I resisted a lot. If I'm to be honest, I resisted a lot for that. So like, you know, again, it's all like uh, just part of the reflection, but uh, I wouldn't do it too much differently. I think the timeline was pretty good, but yeah, just a little note in there. Like uh, some people are very stubborn with their medication. I was one, but don't be, don't cut off your nose to spite your face, as they say. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, that's um, very- you know, again, more parallelisms between you and I. I waited twelve months before going on methotrexate. My symptoms were absolutely extraordinarily bad. Um, so elbows, wrists, ankles, fingers, left knee, feet, um, jaw, chest, in the in the chest there. I mean, I was in a nightmare before I started methotrexate after just one year. And uh, that that shouldn't have been uh, as long as it was and and was on methotrexate three and a half years. And without that, I made I, uh, you know, I, goodness knows how bad I, you know, that's like wheelchair stuff. So yeah. So couldn't agree more on that. Don't postpone. If you're not winning the battle and you're trying everything, then just straight up, straight up. You had a great analogy. You had a great analogy that, um, that really stuck with me. The analogy around your house being on fire. So I think it, you know, by the time I finally listened to my doctors, my house was on fire and by trying to combat it with, it was an inferno and by trying to, trying to combat it with uh, diet alone and maybe a little bit of exercise, but not much. It was like trying to put it out with buckets of water and it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. That stuck out. I yeah. think you said that somewhere along the line and that really stuck out. Like um, I, was, yeah. I was probably trying to put it out with buckets of water for that whole year. Yeah. And just to enjoy exploring that metaphor a bit more, I think if we were eating a poor diet and uh, and not exercising, then that's basically throwing gasoline on the fire. So at least you were throwing buckets of water, but they were too small to combat yeah. the big flames. Can you tell me, um, um, what was I going to ask? One more thing about the, uh, the medication. Oh, because uh, you mentioned having the right rheumatologist. Do you find it curious that he had this Rinvoke in mind for you when he put you on methotrexate as though it was going to be the drug he wanted to put you on in due course if methotrexate didn't work? Because I must say it's not one that comes up that much in discussions. And so um, could you speak to that, whether it be something that he is particularly passionate about as as a medication without wanting to put words in his mouth, of course, but just your feeling on that? and also. Um, yeah. or, uh, more of a, uh, a new release sort of drug. It is, yeah. He describes it as the new kid on the block. That's, that's his words. And I think he, I don't know how many people he gives it to or whether he 
I don't know which boxes I tick to get it, but he describes it as the new kid on the block and he's getting great results with it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I think we, I think a lot of people will be paying attention to that aspect of our conversation today and, uh, and asking their rheumatologist about it. You know, the attractiveness of being able to take a pill as opposed to inject, I think that that's highly appealing. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, like biologic drugs, they're just seeming to be more and more. And I know it's, you said it's sort of quasi biologic, but um, these immune modulating drugs, immunosuppressants, um, you, you know, this technology, I, I do feel will one day become the norm as opposed to the, the graduation place that we're heading towards after we fail all of the, uh, as some other rheumatologists put it, no, I won't quote that. Uh, but some of the more cheaper drugs, you know, the sulfasalazine, the methotrexate stuff that's been around for decades and decades. So I wanted to find out that about that drug as well, because I think a lot of people be interested about that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So thanks, mate. Get us back on track and then we'll we'll close this one out. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, getting support. Like if you're listening to this podcast, this is a shout out to you and your group, Clint. If you're not in the group, I, I would definitely recommend getting in the group because the thing is you don't know what you don't know. And it's just little things. Like I started off at, I was about 70 kilos on March, let's call it March 20, when I, um, when I, when I started officially started your program. Uh, and I dropped down to 61 kilos in about a month. <laughs> so I dropped nine kilos really quickly. Luckily, we were all locked down and um, not that many people saw me because a lot of people would have been pretty worried about me. And I know you've talked about that as well. But um, it's just little things like you think that someone my age who's exercised most of their life would make the connection that if you don't do weights and put resistance on your body that you won't put the weight back on. And it's like you said somewhere in there like, like do some weights. <laughs> like I wanted to put the weight back on. It's like do some weights. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I think because like your whole reality's basically shut itself and it's like the whole playbook that you've lived your whole life has gone out the window and it's like you're dealing with this whole nother way of living and it's like everything that used to work no longer works. So when it used to, you want to put on some weight and I find it very difficult like you to put on weight, very, very difficult. I'm like, I just didn't really make the connection that I should be doing weights and and the other thing you said to do was was drink a lot of orange juice. And like I'd never, well, the weights one is obvious, but some reason I didn't figure that out. But the orange juice, you said drink orange juice because I think it's calorie dense. Is that what it is? But anyway, I just started drinking lots, lots and lots and lots of orange juice after every meal. And my weight started going straight back on. Like within the course of probably two or three months, I was back up to sort of, you know, mid 65, 66, 67, and and I'm back up. I'm actually about 71 now. So like I'm slightly above my the weight that I started at just over 12 months ago. So it's tiny. These are obviously just tiny little things, but without being in that group, I wouldn't have found out these things. I mean, the weights one is like, that's obvious. Like, but because like your mind is going in so many different directions, sometimes you do miss the obvious and you probably see this a lot. Like, you know, for you that see so many people, so many different experiences, you can like really see, probably really see some things that uh, that we can't because we're just too close to it. And then more obscure things like I don't know whether everyone will get orange juice. To me, that's not like super obvious. And even so, like even if it was, 
Like I didn't know whether I could actually have orange juice because, you know, like I was on this baseline diet. So it's little things like that. They're just two examples that I wrote down. There's probably a couple more, but I guess coming back to that other point I made, everyone's circumstance is different. So like that were the two things for me that helped me get my weight back up in that instance. But everyone's got a different situation and it's got to get, like if you're committed to healing, spend the few hundred dollars a year it costs and ask as many questions as you want because it's a, a heck of a lot cheaper than going to a rheumatologist. <laughs> oh, here, here. Well said. And just putting some context around that uh, orange juice recommendation and also the, the weight situation, keep in mind as people listening to this, these are recommendations based on your specific circumstances, based on other feedback that you'd provided about your tolerability to certain things. So these aren't blanket recommendations to everyone to go and start drinking orange juice. There are certain circumstances where it's a good idea and there are certain circumstances where it's best to make a different intervention. But in your case, that was a very, very, you know, that was a calculated suggestion and, uh, and, it, and it's proved good. So thank you, mate. These are, these are sensational things. And yes, thank you for that shout out to our support group. I cannot think of a better place in the world that someone should be if they have inflammatory arthritis. And that's just a, you know, a, a truthful statement. And as you said, it's a few hundred bucks a year, but if that saves you, gosh, that, it, it can improve your life so much. I think it's a good investment and it just reflects the time and, and uh, attention and care that myself and the other uh, people who are in there acting as coaches uh, put into helping everyone. And yeah, thanks for that and uh, appreciate it. So mate, Really interesting stuff. Any final thoughts before we uh, before we wrap up? We've given people a lot of great information, and I hope people have really um, enjoyed these insights. But is there anything that that's sort of seemingly missing here? I would just like to say, probably just to the last thing I would like to say is that there were days when there were, there were many, many, many days last year when I would get up and I'd get myself down to the shower and. I would get myself dressed and that felt like my day was done, like I was exhausted and I'd flop on my couch and I'd lie there and there were, there were days where I'm like, if this is what my life is going to be for the next 40 years, I, there's no point being here. Like this is insane. Like this is it's not even worth, this is not a quality of life. And I know that so many people get like, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible it's probably not the worst disease you can have, but it's um, there's probably always someone worse off, but it's not a great one. Yeah, and I just remember those days where I'm like, there is, there is no point being alive. But what I did was I gave myself, I gifted myself just the tiniest little bit of space to believe that whatever was happening to me now was happening for a reason and that it needed to happen. And that whilst I couldn't see that reason right now, I, I trusted that uh, I trusted the universe and I trusted what was being given to me. I have more than enough evidence to suggest that the universe knows what's right for me. And I just let go and I, and I, I gave that tiny little bit, just that tiny little bit of space that it's okay and that it's like everything is perfect as it is right now, even in those darkest times. And, and yes, I, I sunk. I'd sink for an hour and I'd lie there and sometimes I would cry. I would bawl my eyes out just, you know, at home on my own with um, 
intense pain and seemingly no prospects to recover. And just that tiny little bit of space gave me that glimmer of hope to start crawling myself back out of that hole. And you know, I guess the, the thing I'm most proud of is that whilst I went through those incredibly difficult times, I never got stuck in the hole because of that, because I gifted myself that space just to believe that it's okay. Like this is happening for a reason and there's something to be learned. And I learned so much, so much. Like I value my health so much now. I'm so much healthier than what I was pre-arthritis. I don't have the, the body movement that I did have, but I'm healthier. I'm far more grateful for a body that works really well doesn't work perfectly but it works works really well and and given that i'd had my health taken away from me like it's it's not a bad thing that it happened because now i have the perspective that health doesn't last forever and if i don't if i don't do everything right today and in in my like my age now where i'm 40 and there's people that are older and people younger but we're all in the same position like if you don't do what's right for you today then somewhere along the line you might pay the track pay the price down the track and you know it was almost like one of the things that came out it was a it was a wake-up call to say hey like hmm. health is valuable health is the most important thing and it is the most almost the most important thing like nothing else really matters like if you don't have your health it's very very difficult to have a great quality of life and i have been gifted everything that I could ever wish for in this existence and my health was taken away and that was the only thing now that like that's the thing that I really value the most now so having put that in perspective it's it's just so worth fighting for and um yeah I just I, I just really hope that anyone that might be listening to this that's in a world of pain and I know I, I didn't I probably I, people have it worse than me but at the same time, there's always someone worse than you as well, and um, you just have to have to believe that it's possible, and you have to give yourself that little bit of space, and and also understand that everything, no matter what's happening right now in your situation, it's perfect as it is right now. It's it's okay. Yeah, I love it, mate. Beautiful words, very very beautiful words. So uh, thank you, thank you for those final thoughts because uh, I think that encapsulates. A position that so many of us are in or have been in um, and are dealing with and uh, just to know that you know you uh, have experienced all that been in those challenging times and still allowed yourself as you said that that little permission to imagine a better time and that better time has come so thank you for sharing everything that you've learned with us um it's been a busy 18 months for you, these last 18 months. Goodness me, all the ups and downs and challenges and things you've learned, uh, quite extraordinary. And um, and I hope uh, everyone today has found this valuable. So thanks, Rich. And uh, I look forward to uh, keeping up this uh, the next chapter of your journey uh, uh, online. And just finally, Clint, thank you so much. Like, thank you so much for being so generous with... Um, yeah, changing the course of your reality to to bring this program to life. I know you had a lot going on and you do some incredible things. Um, I, I heard you, your podcast uh, with Simon Hill. That's where I found you, the Plant Proof Podcast. And, and yeah, like uh, your, your story is incredible. And, yeah, it's just such a generous thing that you do 
a, a ge- it's a very, very generous thing that you do to give hope to all of us out here that, that have suffered or are suffering and like the world's a better place because you're doing what you do for people like us. So thank you, Clint. Oh, mate, that's, uh, that's lovely. Thank you very much. Well, we've, uh, we've had a wonderful time and uh, I'm going to let you go now. I know you've got a flight, uh, a flight you have to uh, organise at some point soon. Uh, you're uh, tr- on the road travelling. So uh, thanks so much. And uh, as I said, we'll, uh, we'll speak online and appreciate all your time. Thanks, Clint. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.